Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Thank you so much for joining in on the conversation. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, there on that app, give us a follow, tap a five-star rating, and drop a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow there and hit that notification bell so you never miss an episode. Uh, now, today's episode, we're going to be diving deep into really the heart of relationships, all, all sorts of relationships, and the role that apologies play in those relationships. Uh, most people, uh, and I say that sincerely, most people know how important apologies are in maintaining healthy connections with those that we love and those that we interact with. But many times there are, um, there are times when apologies just miss the mark. Uh, they leave wounds and they leave those wounds unhealed. So in today's conversation, we want to take a closer look at uh, specifically bad apologies within relationships and maybe explore why, why they happen um, and how they impact the dynamics uh, uh, between people. Uh, so for that, we wanted to get uh, an, a, a content expert and no better uh, content expert than our own Kathy Sprinkle. That's right. We're taking ownership of you now. Uh, Kathy Sprinkle, <laughs> welcome to Great Story Podcast. I am glad to be here and talk about a really important subject and a very misunderstood subject. Very misunderstood. And, and the, in fact, this this episode uh, is coming out of a conversation that was going on over in the Grace Story community group on Facebook. You can find the link for that uh, in the captions below. Uh, so this, there was some people talking about a particular um, reel or something that, that was going out. And I was like, oh man, this would be a good episode. And then we also have listener questions people have put in mm -hmm. um, to ask about this. Uh, so yes, we do have show notes. We do have things we want to talk about. Um, and if you want to know more about Kathy, we've given her plenty of intros. There is a link <laughs> in, in the, in the captions below, uh, in the show notes to go ahead and uh, see more about her, but she is a licensed counselor and you deal a lot with individuals on all sorts of levels of, well, there's dysfunction. There's people coming mm -hmm. in that maybe haven't had uh you know a crisis moment yet but they recognize hey there's more that we can do on communication um you have people the whole gamut marriage or, or relationships families um and let's just start off with how how many times uh is an apology warranted in the uh relationships or the individuals that you're talking to about their relationships uh in in those moments that you're talking about you know, in relationships, it's almost constant. It seems like because we're broken people, and we are, we're wounded. I go back and forth on using that term. We are always in need of repair or needing to repair. Mm. It's it's kind of like we're in relationships. You know that from being married yourself. It's like, it's not every single day, but there's a lot of times you hurt your wife and a lot of times she hurts you or offends or whatever word we want to use. And so this is something we need to learn because it's a constant in relationships. Yeah, you you bring up marriage and and right out of the gate, I, I can think of times when there's not even intent um, by either one of us, but out of right. our own stories, our own uh, uh, past history, uh, the term ch no child comes through childhood unscathed. 
Yep. And it's, it's just a particular point of, of uh, pain um, right. that sometimes you don't even know you're pushing on. Like, whoa, that, that wasn't a thing in our family. What I don't even know where you got there. Um, and it can go back and forth. And that's a great thing to talk about intent right out of the, the shoot here. Because many times we do hurt people and we don't intend to. That's a reason it's not an excuse. And the, the analogy I use many times with my clients is if I'm handing you a knife to cut a cake for the, we're having a big birthday party and you say, hey, Kathy, can you hand me that knife? And I trip mm. and I cut you clear down your thigh. You're bleeding all over the place. Or if I say to you, you know, Nate, I never really did like you and I stab you in the thigh, you're going to bleed. How you feel about me is different, whether it was an intentional or non-intentional, but you're still bleeding. Does that make sense? It does. It does. You know, we want, we want to pretty much dissect the anatomy of a bad apology. Um, Mm -hmm. Look at those characteristics of a poorly executed apology. And it reminds me of one of the uh, Facebook community group questions. We put that out there. And if you want to send questions in, uh, that's a great place to go in there and do it. That's a direct connection uh, to those that make the show. But this, uh, this listener, a member of the Grace Story community says this, I'm curious what a bad apology looks like. Maybe start with identifying what makes it bad. Oh, that is so simple and yet not easy. The first part of a bad apology is refusing to accept any responsibility. Mm. You know, I'm going to put it on you. I'm going to say it didn't happen that way. Somebody might. Now we're talking bad intentions for a minute. Um, the bad intentions would be not accepting responsibility, gaslighting you and telling you it's all about you instead of what they did. And in the unintentional, it's usually about defining. My clients sometimes will like roll their eyes at me because I make them define everything. Because if I assume I understand what you're saying and I don't, then we're never going to get to a to an apology and we're never going to get to a repair. So that's the beginning is not accepting responsibility and not defining what it is that happened and what you need as a repair. Well, with that, because and maybe I'm reading in, but I'm, okay. I, I take it, acknowledge it, take responsibility. Um, if you didn't attend anything, would mm-hmm. you feel regretful? Is regret uh, where does regret play in? We'll just throw that over to uh, you. Great question. Um, I think that. First of all, you have to acknowledge that you did hurt the person, even if you didn't. There was pure intent. Well, I've never had pure intent in my life, but most people uh, have had some pure intent. So, but at least acknowledge, oh, and you put yourself, it's all about um, empathy. Put yourself in the person's shoes and think, oh, I didn't intend it. But when I see it through your eyes, I get why you thought that. Let me explain that to you. And explaining is different than excusing. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Go, go deeper there. Because um, okay. I, I I think there's some people that be like, I I don't actually want you to explain. I just want, or they don't want to hear it. Let's just move on or I, I don't know. Right. Dig deeper there in what you mean. Okay. I think the whole thing is a- acknowledging that you, oh, I get it. I get how you came to that conclusion. Would you like me to explain that? I don't want to excuse it. I obviously hurt you. So I don't want to excuse it. I want to explain it so that I don't do it again Mm. and we don't get in this place again. And then it usually goes back to, once again, doing some defining of what hurt, why it hurt, 
Um, so that then, and if the person that's being offended or hurt can see this as I get an, I get an opportunity to educate this person I love mm. on what it was that they did. So we don't have to go here again. Yeah. So what you're, what you're talking about there, I can kind of hear some that may be thinking, boy, wouldn't that be great if the other person had that much self-awareness to be, isn't it? Because <laughs> when you explain the explanation that way, now I'm like, yes, I would like to learn more about your perspective and what this right. was. And we can go back and forth. So let's let's go there. What role okay. does self awareness play in recognizing that you have given or are in the process of giving a bad apology? Self awareness is everything for you to. Well, there's there's four things in relationships. The Gottmans who are like the big couples um, therapists say there's four things that are the the um, four horsemen of the apocalypse, they call it, which I think it's fun because they're like Hasidic Jews. Um, it's number one, constant criticism, mm. constant defensiveness, stonewalling and contempt. So let's go to the second one. The second one is defensiveness. If my defenses go up the minute someone says, well, you've offended me or you hurt me and my defenses go up, the lack of self-awareness makes it almost impossible to have a decent apology because I'm too worried about defending myself. And, you know, sometimes when I think about defense, I think about people being big and puffy and mean. Sometimes it's being wounded and little and hurt. And I don't want to accept the fact I hurt you. So I'm going to get big and puffy and then maybe you'll go away or maybe you'll just accept my apology and go on. Yeah. So as you're talking there with that, it brings up another question. You know, the title of this particular episode that we came up with is Mending Fences, How to Navigate Bad Apologies in Relationships. Mm -hmm. And a member of the Grace Story community, uh, I loved this observation because uh, it wasn't just, you know, willy nilly. It was right to the point. Hey, what do you mean by that title? And I loved it. Uh, mm. They said, by mending fences, do you mean repairing personal boundaries so hollow apologies can't breach them? Or do you mean continuing slash navigating a relationship with someone whose apologies are meant as a means of gaining access to abuse more? So as you're talking about the walls and you're talking about, uh, you know, protecting yourself in, in a, a real way uh, and mm -hmm. boundaries plays into that. It brought sure this does. up. So, so if someone's meaning to gain access to abuse more using your apologies. What's your thought? You want me to read it one more time to you? Please. <laughs> yes. By mending fences, do you mean repairing a personal boundary so hollow apologies can't breach them? Or mm -hmm. do you mean continuing slash navigating a relationship with someone whose apologies are meant as a means of gaining access to abuse more? Mm. Wow. Let's take the second one first. I think there's a thing in the Christian community that says anybody that says, I'm sorry, I have to forgive them. Mm. And I don't think that's true. Uh, one of the things I probably talked about this before in another podcast, but one of the places that God has me right now is to always ask this question. How do I love that person? Well, and that means how do I hold them close to my heart and how do I love them? Well, how do I love them in a healthy manner? If we, quickly accept apologies from people who have proven to be dishonest and abusive. We aren't loving them or ourselves well. We're allowing things that shouldn't be allowed. And you can't have an intimate relationship with someone who's just trying to manipulate you. So how do you know that? 
Well, you know that by their past behavior. Dr. Phil says the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Mm -hmm. I think that's true. How do we know whether, I think most people have a gut level, like a feeling of, is this honest or not? And I think we have to call it out. I think we have to call it out. I think this feels manipulative. And let me tell you why. Now, in the heat of battle, that's hard to do. But if we can calm ourselves enough to go, that felt manipulative. And say that out loud to the person. I know you want me to forgive you. And eventually I will forgive you. But this apology felt like you were trying to manipulate me into doing something. And that's not a good thing for our relationship at all. Yeah, I want to I want to make sure that we're clear there um, because I love what you said there. Not everybody that apologizes to you, are you going to just automatically forgive? That's not to say that you're not working on it. That's not to say right. that you're not um, forgiving in the sense that I am forgiving you as Christ forgave me. Absolutely. But here's mm-hmm. a boundary within this. Thank you. I, I think I think it depends on what you mean by forgiveness. If it's like, yes, forgiveness means I forgive and we're restored and forgive and forget. I, I say that with the contempt I feel for the phrase. Um, Thank you. Because <laughs> the body keeps the score. You can't forget. It's just, it, it is, our brains are miraculous. And there, if you forget, that might be indicative of more trauma than you think. <laughs> that's true. So I guess it can to protect you. But yeah, this, uh, if you have somebody that's just trying to gain access to you and it begs another, uh, not to just get all the listener questions out here at the beginning, uh, but it gets to another question. Just, just it's simple is just, I'm sorry enough. And I'm going to couple that with how do you balance 70 times seven, uh, the forgiveness principle with keeping boundaries and accountability when there is little or no behavioral change over time? Let me take the first one first and then we'll come back to the second part of that. And I'll probably have to have you read it again. Absolutely. No, I'm sorry. It's not enough because I don't know what you're sorry for. Are you sorry that I can't take it? Are you sorry that I'm ridiculous? Are you sorry that you got caught? What are you sorry for? There's three parts to an apology, and we probably get this right away. I love, there's a guy named Randy Pausch who has since passed on since he wrote the book, The Last Lecture. Randy Pausch, P-A-U-S-C-H. He's amazing. And he said that there's three parts to an apology. The first one is, what I did was wrong. Not, I'm sorry if you thought what I did was wrong. What I did was wrong. And no buts after it. Number two is, I'm sorry that what I did hurt you. Not, I'm sorry you got hurt. Because see, that puts it back on you. You decided to be hurt, not I hurt you. So once again, what I did was wrong. I'm sorry what I did hurt you. Number three is, how do I make that better? How do I make that right? How do we repair that? Any part of those three that's missing, it's not a true apology. Well, yeah, asking for forgiveness is one thing, but making amends, that's a whole nother thing. Uh, Even, and it can be, I think probably healing for some, depending on the circumstances. I know this isn't Mm -hmm. a one size fits all, but offering to make amends if it's possible uh, can be very healing. And it's because maybe it's not possible, but the mere offer of if there's anything I can do, I want to do it. Um, And that's not to say that the relationship is going to be like it would have been before boundaries were boundaries were breached or 
people were hurt or maybe time has gone by, but there may be the ability to have some semblance of a relationship moving forward. And maybe I think you're right. Maybe you talk about what that looks like. Maybe that's the amends is, is acknowledging. I don't know. Uh, but that second, go ahead. Well, I think one of the things that's so hard for some people, if I can be gender related for a little while, I see this more with men than with women is that when they know they've messed up, when they know they've hurt somebody, then sometimes the defenses come up. Okay, okay. so what's the defenses? We talk about bringing the wall down. Well, the defense is, I know I can't make it right. I know I can't go back in a time machine and make this never happen. So I'm frustrated because I, I feel helpless and hopeless and powerless to make this right for you. So I'm just going to get angry instead and gaslight you and be angry with you for not accepting my apology. Or Stonewall. Or stonewall. It seems yeah. to be the, I mean, I, I've been guilty of that. Uh, and it doesn't always look like you're, you're absolutely, you're trying to stonewall. Sometimes it's that, well, your, your trauma response kicks in of shutting down. And absolutely. with that stonewalling happens. Let's go to that second. Go ahead. Okay. And it's almost always about the powerlessness. I, and I've heard a gazillion men and some women say this. I said, I was sorry. What more do you want me to do? Well, that's a pretty cheap sorry. And wouldn't it be easier? And I always tell my clients, it's like, I can say all these wonderful things because I'm not in the heat of the battle and I'm not married to you. But wouldn't it be easier if we can teach people to say, I don't know what to do. I can't make this go away. I did it. And I know it hurt you. And that grieves me too. How can we mend this knowing that I can't make it just go away? I'm telling you, any good-willed person would go, would melt at that and go, okay, let's work on that together. Well, that, that and we'll get to that second question again here, but okay. an observation as you're talking there is the, the foundation, it seems like, of all of this is, is authenticity and sincerity. And vulnerability. Whew. And <laughs> all of those are hard. And all of those can be faked as well. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. You can like fake authenticity, but we can. <laughs> well, sure. You know, if you, if you get really good at masking, yes. you get really good at preserving your own reality at the cost of others. Yes. Uh, and now we're getting into a whole nother podcast, but you know, you, you can fake all that, which now I've just made everyone think, well, now I don't know anything. What is, what is, <laughs> what is apology? I just, yeah. How do you, uh, let's ask this question. And I have a follow-up question on that. Okay. So the other one, how do you balance 70 times seven forgiveness principle with keeping boundaries and accountability when there is little or no behavioral change over time? I think that goes along with authenticity, vulnerability, sincerity. Over to you. I'm not sure that forgiveness and boundaries have a lot to do with each other. Mm. Always. Um, we can continue to set boundaries. And then when people continue, if they choose to just run past our boundary, then we have to decide, is this a healthy relationship? Is this a relationship I choose to stay in? I can forgive somebody and wish them well and Godspeed. I mean, really forgive them and decide, but I don't want to live in this kind of relationship and decide to leave it. The whole forgive and forget and all that kind of thing we were talking about earlier, touching on earlier, it it seems to somehow indicate that we must stay in relationship with anyone that we've forgiven. No, we don't. I mean, even in the scriptures, I mean, Barnabas and Paul went their separate ways. They couldn't agree. And they said, okay, go and be warm, go and be fed, love you. 
and they didn't work together anymore. I And I, I love that the Bible put that in there so that we know that we can't always salvage every relationship. But that doesn't mean that bitterness has to be a part of it. We can forgive, but say, I don't choose to live like this any longer. Well, yeah, that that's a great example because uh, that was also over other relationships as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, other worldviews, <laughs> other ways of reaching yeah. others for Christ. Um, mm-hmm. Man. So with that, that's a that's a real life example. Are there other real life examples that you have maybe of the aftermath of a bad apology where, you know, they maybe did just say that as the, the one listener said, I'm just sorry, that should be enough. Or, you know, hey, 70 times seven, we need to have a hallmark moment at the end of this apology. Or was it all real? What is this apology if we aren't, you know, unified back together in this relationship? Um it's- it's funny. I just thought of a friend of mine. It's a real life example. Um, she's with the Lord now. She, she she really dealt with her stuff. She had an amazingly abusive mother. I mean, mm. she'd be in jail today. Um, and she was a pastor's wife. And she was so abusive to the kids. And, and her name was Kathy also. She really struggled with learning how to forgive. But before she got therapy, what she realized is in every relationship she had, she could help push the person to being really, and not everybody's responsible for their own actions, but she could push people to really lose it because what she learned in her family was, and there are people listening to me that have families like this. Somebody's abusive. Everything's going well. And then we're getting in the abuse cycle where things are starting to get bad. You know that he or she's going to blow up. No, they're going to blow up. Oh my gosh, the big blow up happens. But then comes the the earth-shaking apology. Then comes the, oh my gosh, love bombing. And so my friend Kathy learned how to do that with people to get the love bombing because she didn't know how to get the love, the true love, without some sort of the big fight. Once she got into therapy and learned that, it was this amazing thing of like, I don't have to have huge fights with people to prove that they love me. There are people listening that that have been in that cycle. They may not have done the cycle, but they've seen the cycle. Stay out of the cycle. The only way to stay out of the cycle and to that mess is to just not play. Yeah, that that brings another question a uh, a listener put in. How do you know when it's appropriate to apologize, or if you're over apologizing? Kind of the same same vein. You're talking about almost every woman I know because we're taught <laughs> we're taught that we're just taught that just apologize it's actually if i could put a a negative spin on that it's actually disingenuous to apologize when you didn't do anything wrong just to try to placate somebody you know um i call it kitty pawing if you take a little a couple little kittens and put them in a room and you draw a big piece of yarn down the kittens are going to try to keep their paws all over it right which is exhausting when we continually apologize about things that we didn't do, we're kitty pawing. We're just trying to keep our paws on everything. You cannot have truly intimate give and take relationships if either one of you are kitty pawing all the time. So let's it, it it's just not authentic. Let's let's go to kind of the psychology behind these bad apologies. Um, okay. and maybe starting with some of the emotional effect factors that may contribute to bad apologies because I mean, I can only imagine when you're sitting in your, your counseling room, you've got them over on the couch and you know, for, for example's sake, you've got 
one uh, a, a wife and a husband, and whichever one is is one way and the other is the other, and like you're trying to help both, whereas right. they're pitted against each other, wanting you to take their side. Whew. Uh, so maybe what are the <laughs> what emotional factors go into um, the bad apologies on both sides of that uh, from your really, experience? It's really funny because there are days when I feel like I need a black and white striped shirt and a and a whistle. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but there, there's a lot of different things, of course, that make that up. One of the things I see for people that are really bad at apologies is the vulnerability thing I brought up earlier is I don't know how to be vulnerable enough to admit that I was wrong and that I hurt you. Many of those kind of people are from really perfectionistic families. Mm. So if I admit that I did something wrong, I'm bad. I'm awful. That Then shame comes in. And so most of us will do a lot to protect ourselves from shame. That's why we have to do a lot of, of uh, negotiating and a lot of um, defining of what it is. So see, I, if I keep that wall up, then you can't get through. And then I don't have to admit that I was wrong. And that, so perfectionism and, and a lack of self-worth go hand in hand with each other. Because if I'm not perfect, what am I? It seems like there may be some, um, let's just use uh, Christendom as a whole, the church body, mm-hmm. um, where there, I mean, where there's, there's songs, uh, about, you know, such a worm as I, so there's self-worth there, which, you know, we need to know our, our place in, in certain aspects, of course. So all the caveats really? there, all the, the right. theological caveats, but <laughs> then also, you know, we're trying to follow after Christ and be perfect as he, as he is and his heavenly father, mm-hmm. our heavenly father is perfect. Um, but we're falling short. Um, so let me ask you this and hand, hand you this live grenade. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, how, how may, uh, being in a faith, uh, community, um, with all of its nuances, how may that can, how may that contribute? How may something like that contribute to bad apologies? I wish I had better news about that. I, I think that the, the, arbiter in this world of forgiveness and grace teaches forgiveness and grace worse than just about anything else at times not all churches and not all times but that whole bit of forgive right now and i i have i I can't back this up with the scripture so i'll own that i truly believe that if god judges the intents of my heart and someone has wounded me so deeply that my want to forgive them is counted to me as righteousness as I walk through the path to continue to learn. Because what happens a lot is we get a really bad apology about something. The person's not even, they're not sorry. And they're probably going to do it again. And we forgive them, forgive them. And so five years later, this root of bitterness grows up in our life. And we don't know where the heck it came from. Well, we planted the seed when we weren't authentic about our hurt. If God judges the intents of my heart, He knows the wounding more than any other being in the universe. And he knows if I want to forgive and he knows how to help me do that. If I'm willing, forgiveness is a process. It has to be a process. Philippians one, six, for I'm confident of this very thing that he began a good work in you will continue to complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. We serve a God who is as interested in the process as a product. And we have to slow it down. 
it sounds like what I'm hearing from you is forgiving authentically is just as important as the apologizing authentically. Because you can give out a flippant, I'm sorry. You can also give mm-hmm. out a flippant so that I can stay within my denomination, my church body, what have you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I forgive. I forgive. Yeah. Sure. It's it's done. And then you go back home and you're like, you know what? Let's talk about this. Thank you. It all yes. happens behind the scenes. You actually put that together better than I did. I love that. Yeah, there, there's two sides to this. And it and in both places, it calls for authenticity and vulnerability. Both of them. Let's let's go there. Uh, so on both sides of it, why might some individuals struggle with the authenticity of either apologizing or forgiving, uh, you know, with the shifting of the blame or, or mm-hmm. avoidance of it, vagueness, the defensiveness mm-hmm. that you put in there? Um, why mm-hmm. might some people, again, going with the emotional factors, struggle with that, that authenticity? I think it goes back to the shame thing that I don't want to feel shameful. So I'll blame you or I'll I'll put up my walls, but I can't be authentic. I can't authentically tell you that I really messed this up and I really hurt you. And I'm so sorry about that because then I'm wounded, I'm broken. And you may not, even though I hurt you, you may not love me if you understand how broken I truly am. If I can put the blame off on you, then you might still love me. It gets real complicated in this stuff, Nate. Mm. Yeah. So coming to mind, there's there's a, a a gentleman on Facebook who I love dearly for his authenticity, um, and he came up with a question the other day um, around this thing of shame, um, and it was, what why? And, and this is paraphrased completely. I'm going to murder it, but um, the thought was. <laughs> Uh, wh- why is it that um, the thing I want most being known is also the thing that I avoid the most being known? What's the first thing that Adam and Eve did when they sinned in the garden? They hid. They hid. They hid. It's what we do. We hide. It's, it's in our DNA. We hide. We hide from God. We hide from each other. We try to cover our nakedness. Because we're scared to death of to be, we want to be known, and we're petrified to be known. So would that also translate into the the forgiveness and apology aspect of you know shame? It isolates, it silences mm. us, silences us, makes makes genuine connection almost impossible. Um, it is, unless yes. the certainly reconciliation is challenging within that, mm-hmm. um, but. So the the antonym, they're like being known, you want it, but it requires that vulnerability. You alluded to it earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk more about strategies of, of uh, you know, how to how to do some of these things. But the fear of vulnerability, how does that impact the apology dynamics? What is what is maybe an apology look like from someone who's like mm, vulnerability? That's dangerous. I saw how that played out in my family dynamics and I got railroaded. Yeah, so I'm going to protect myself, but I'm still going to apologize. Uh, how does that fear of vulnerability play into the impact on apology dynamics? It's at the very center of it. Because if I don't feel safe with you, for whatever reason, you may not be safe, you may be completely safe. But if I cannot feel safe to be vulnerable with you about my own woundedness, then it's everything. I can't get past that. And it's it's sad when people are in that place and they're, they have trustworthy people around them. They have people that are safe. And, and the funny thing is, most of the people who love us most 
know more about our woundedness and brokenness than we do. Mm. And they still love us. Now, there are some very unsafe people around there that if you apologize, it's going to be used against you in a court of law, not even a court of law. It's going to be used against you in the court of daily opinion. Mm. And so we have to be careful about that. But we also have to understand when it's just me and this person is safe. And that's hard to learn because most of us haven't seen it modeled now, have we? Yeah, there's there's no rules in that court of public opinion. You can say whatever you want. You don't have to make it, uh, you know, back it up. Um, the truth. You don't have to make apologies for it either. You can just turn it around. Uh, the minute they blow up because of something you said, then it's like, whoa, see who's the real monster here? They're attacking me. Thank you. Thank uh, you. So with that, um, I want to, I want before we jump into some of those uh, apology strategies and maybe really breaking down once again, an effective apology. Um, right. How let, Let's go a little bit more with the past experiences shaping apologies, how you learn how to apologize, what have people have done in the past. How do past experiences shape your approach to apologizing? And how maybe can you be aware of that uh, if it needs to change? Well, certainly if you didn't see it in your family. I mean, that's huge. Um, I often laugh and say, you know, Freud was pretty crazy, but that that whole thing about what happens in our immediate family and our family of origin, that that paints it for us. We can change that painting, but we have to acknowledge it first. I think we see it in our culture all the time. I there's a there's an old TV show I used to watch all the time called The West Wing, and it was on a long time. It was a really good show. I noticed about the third season in that no one in that show ever apologized, no matter what. And I started really watching for it. And I'm seeing it more and more in other TV shows and in media, obviously in, in our social media, there's no such thing as an apology. Mm. It's I said, it. that's what I think. That's what I feel. You got to deal with it no matter how offensive it is. But I think we get bombarded with that. And I think we're bombarded with that because we are a people that tend to be not vulnerable. We tend to be a people as, as American society, for sure, that has to be right. We have to be right. It's an idol. We have to be right. Well, we are right. What are you talking about? That's right. What do you mean? We That's have right. To be of right. course we are. We are. Right. <laughs> right. So that really, that really bleeds into every part of an apology uh, of that whole thing of if I'm vulnerable, then what will you do with that? Hmm. And see, we see, I think as a culture, we see vulnerability and weakness as the same thing. And they're not at all. They're not even first cousins, hmm. but we've put them in, in this category together. If I'm vulnerable, and that says I'm weak and nobody likes weak people because men see that as being, you know, they got to be puffy and, you know, and women see it, see um, vulnerability sometimes as being needy. Mm. And neither one of those things are true. Yeah. You know, the way it, it, when you bring them the, the cultural aspect of it, mm-hmm. a, a lot of times, you know, there's things going on in the world right now where appropriately uh, we should respond with overwhelming force and we should not be seen as as weak. There are times when that's appropriate. But mm-hmm. what I hear you saying is in your living room, <laughs> overwhelming force is probably not the tool uh, to mm-hmm. use. Even speaking mm-hmm. softly or walking softly and carrying a big stick is probably still not the strategy to, to use within a close relationship. Um, One of the things I just put together that you said is that authenticity and vulnerability have to go together because I can be vulnerable 
air quotes, in a way that makes you want to save me. Mm. So you've offended me horribly. You've hurt me deeply. And you come and you are so vulnerable and you're so, oh my goodness, I'm such a, you know, I'm so awful. Why do I do that to you? And then especially, yes. And then most women, especially will go down and pick you up and become the rescuer. And suddenly how I was wounded has nothing to do with anything anymore. Men do this too. It gets both ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but see the whole thing is we want mutual relationships. We don't want to be one up or one down. Good. Well, sometimes we do want to be one up, but yeah. <laughs> but if I go way down, then a good person's going to come and pick me up, and that's how people get manipulated in bad apologies. Mm. One of many ways. So, so let's talk about. Um, and I think I think by looking at what constitutes a heartfelt and effective uh, apology. By looking at what it is, then you will be able to see what it's not. It's like being in a healthy relationship. You're able to look out to someone like, wow, you're going through a lot. And that is, I am to myself saying, I'm grateful I'm not in that situation. Because um, yeah. this is your reality. Thank God for my reality. Um, mm-hmm. So let's look at what an effective, we've alluded to parts of it, the effective okay. apology. But from the top. For uh, Apology 101, with everyone out there, all the listeners sitting down with their fill-in-the-blank papers, um, <laughs> what what from Kathy constitutes from top to bottom a, 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 an effective, heartfelt apology? Well, let's unpack Randy Pouch three things, and we can unpack a lot. And I'm, I'm putting this together. I'm a good extrovert, so I'm putting this together as we're talking. Is like the first thing is what I did was wrong. That is vulnerability. I'm saying I'm not perfect. I'm saying that I have the ability to hurt people and I'm wounded. So I made a bad mistake, either intentionally or unintentionally, to harm you. And I was wrong. Number two, I'm sorry what I did hurt you. That has some authenticity to it. That's like, wow, I I hurt you. And I I meant to, I didn't mean to, I was angry. I said things I shouldn't have said, but it hurt you. And that, that I'm sorry about that. And then number three is how do I make it right? That's about repair. So we've got vulnerability. We've got um, repair. And what was the second one there? I lost it there. Yeah. Yes. Expressing the regret. And that has to, to do with just being open and, and, understanding where I am. So those are the places to start. I think it's very, it's once again, in life, things are simple. They're not easy, but that's a pretty simple thing to follow. I was wrong, but I did hurt you. How do I make it right? If you can get all that done, then you're well on your way to a repair. Now that person may not forgive you right away. And, and you need, I think, as the apology person, as the person that's making the apology, I need to give you space. Because one of the things that happens usually in apologies is I thought it all out. I thought out what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it, whether it's a good apology or a bad apology. I thought it all out in my mind. This person's just now hearing it. Mm. You have to give them time to process that. So with that, again, I've heard you say, acknowledge the mistake. So you're clearly, yeah. cl- that's clearly stating what you did wrong. Right. Uh, not, I'm sorry. With no buts. Yeah. There can't be any buts in it. Ooh, there can no be buts. some ands. 
some and. <laughs> and, yes, and. But, but yeah, that you're going to shut down the conversation there. Expressing regret and right. fixing the mistake. So with that first one, uh, one of my observations there is acknowledging the mistake and that I can make mistakes puts you yes. from whatever position right here. You're right, right. in the same. Absolutely. Expressing regret does the same thing, but opens you up to that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And, and also I hear the, the fixing the mistake now puts action to it where I'm going to show you my authenticity. Yes. So I'm putting myself in the same position. I'm opening myself up to you with vulnerability and I'm going to show you that I'm authentic. And that all takes right. time. And I know I've said this so many times in my office is that um, the husband will really, you know, say an authentic apology. And I'll say, what do you need from him? And many times, because this is new, she'll say, I don't know. And my saying for that is, it's okay for you to not know. It's not okay for you to continue to not know because you're asking him to shoot at a moving target. So one of the things that, that then if you're the one that received the apology is you need to figure out what, do, and you don't have to do it right that moment, because remember, this is new information for you. What do I need? And, and some of the best people in, in relationships will say, can I think about that? And can we talk tomorrow about that? You set a date, not sometime in the future. You know, can we talk about that at dinner tomorrow? I'm not trying to put you off. I just, I think it's only fair for me to tell you what I need. And it may be that you need to um, find a way to speak with a licensed counselor uh, or Always, maybe yeah. or maybe your pastor, someone who ha- has experience in this area. Um, right. I mean, you would pay, unfortunately, thousands of dollars to keep your car running smoothly. Why not your relationships? Um, Why not the truth? And they, they need true. just as much tender, loving care, if not more. Kick the tires, check under the hood, change the oil. Uh, yeah. Look at those wiper blades. And that's just the uh, the things on, you know, that you can do quickly. Um, so so with that, moving right along, because now, you know, we know what a good apology consists of. And it's it's mm-hmm. simple, uh, almost it aggravatingly so. <laughs> it's yeah. simple. Just, it's just not easy. <laughs> so before we, we jump into, and I want to ask you uh, the questions about, you know, active listening and empathetic mm-hmm. understanding and apologies. Mm-hmm. But quickly on the side of that. Um, let, let's offer to the listener because they're like, that would be great if they did that. But when they apologizing, I, when they are apologizing, I'm telling you, that's not what they're doing. And somehow they think that they've apologized and we get to the end of it. And I, sometimes I'm the bad guy. Sometimes uh, what I said doesn't even matter. And so, and I still have to stick in this relationship, uh, whether it's a friend or it's a marriage or it's a work relationship uh, mm-hmm. where now your livelihood depends on it. Yeah, um, that's so, a whole lot more complicated. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's talk for a moment about what happens now that we know what a good apology and effective apology is. What do we do when we don't get that? Of course, that depends on the relationship. If this is a, um, a committed relationship and this happens consistently, you got to get some help. You got to get a third party, a pastor, a, a therapist, whatever. Um, because what happens um, in my office is everybody puts on their best, you know, show the first session by the second, third session. And I'm really good at getting people to argue. It's part of what we do. Um, <laughs> what a talent. Wow. It is. I tell you, my my mother would say I had that talent 
growing up. Um, but I can get people to argue and then we see what's really going on. And then that's when the third party can say, do you see that when you say that he just shuts down? You may even be right. But when you move forward in your chair and you raise your voice, he goes and we're done. Can I help teach you another way to do that? Mm. Can you see that when you raise your voice, she gets little. I have women who get, I mean, they get clear into the chair. Like I want to crawl under it. Mm. Did you see her body language when you did that? Can I teach you a different way to go about that? When you say you're sorry and you have that angry tone, anytime someone says they're sorry and there's an angry tone, it is not an apology. It's a shut up. I'm sorry. How do you want me to change that? I did it. So now what? Well, mark that off of any kind of apology. That's not even a bad apology. It's not even an apology. So we have to figure out what to do because of that relationship. I think also if you can do it, and once again, simple but not easy, that when things aren't hot, when you're not arguing, that you talk about that kind of thing. And see what happens is when hot couples, when things are going well, nobody wants to like, mess it up. But that's the time to talk about the hard things. When people's adrenaline is lower, when their cortisol is lower. And like, you know, last week when we had that argument, you said this and this and this. Can you hear it from my point of view that that felt like you just wanted me to shut up? Help me understand. We need to invite people when we want to like educate them, invite them help me understand what was going on with you then. And then we can help if we're better at apologizing than they are, then we can help in a very non-condescending way, teach them what we need. Most times, and I'm not just trying to push therapy, but most times when it's a, the Gottmans call it perpetual conflict. When there's something you keep coming back to time and time again, money or, you know, how much she plays golf or how much she talks on the phone. When it's a perpetual conflict, you usually need outside help to deal with that. So let's let's put a pin in the work side because I do have a specific question from a listener about um, a Christian workplace scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to I want to keep going down that road of but what if? Because uh, now there there are some that have done everything you've said and they've gotten to that point where oh wait now. Now we're at a point where he's, he or she seems to only uh, uh, respond whenever it's we're about to just put up the ultimate barrier in the relationship. What do you, what do, you do at that point uh, when it just seems like they, nothing will work except for blowing it all up? I think even if he or she won't get that third party involved, you can. So what you can do is find out what is it that I'm doing that might be adding to this? Not We're not kitty pawing. Remember, we're not trying to make everything okay. But what is my piece of it? I'll never forget a couple, a couple of different times this has happened where the husband had made a lot of mistakes. And I've said to the wife, well, we know, you know what John brings to the table of your marriage that's not helpful. What do you bring to the table of your marriage that's not helpful? And they looked me in the eye and said, not a daggone thing. <laughs> okay. Right. It doesn't matter how off the other person is. Usually we have some piece of it. And so one one of the things to do is check out, check your own heart, you know, figure out what am I doing that's not helping. And that that's the that's the first place. And eventually you have to decide 
if he he or she won't get into counseling, won't see the pastor, won't own anything. You have to decide if you're willing to live like that. That's that's. I'm yeah, not pro divorce. Wow. I'm not pro because you know you can separate for a while too if that if that helps. And we've we use um, therapeutic separation a lot. And that's a very highly negotiated separation that's not the first step toward divorce. It's the first step toward healing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see a therapist and and um, ask about that, if if the other partner just won't even meet you a quarter of the way, let alone halfway. And and if it all if that all fails, you have to decide two things. Do I want to live like this? And if I have children, do I want them to live like this? Mm-hmm. Because boy, doesn't matter what you what you say, it's what you do that affects your children. So we, I, I look at the clock as we're doing this and I, I know <laughs> we only have time for maybe uh, one question. He, one, one listener question and, and two other questions to wrap it up. Um, so I'll, I'll read that question to you and then we'll go to one more and then final thoughts. This person writes in, they say, I'd like some advice on a Christian workplace scenario. I mm-hmm. had several higher up employees attack my character in a meeting. It was unprofessional and unkind. I followed up with them asking hard questions to understand the situation. In the end, I received a half-hearted apology that was worded, quote, if I've hurt you in any way, and it wasn't sincere. It was a way to move on. I am struggling with these people internally. I don't trust or respect these individuals. They will never know how I feel big, uh, how big what I do uh, and how it hurts, how there's unrest and anger towards them. Wow. That is huge, especially in a Christian workplace. Mm. Um, I tell you, where I work right now, I mean, we're not a Christian counseling agency. We are all counselors who happens to, happen to be Christians. Um, but I, some of the craziest places I've ever worked were Christian places where things were, you know, like that. It's like, well, I, I won't own my stuff or, um, you know, some things that were actually very immoral that were going on, but we, we, we pasted over that. The only thing that this person can do is she might try one more time. She was definitely told inadvertently to shut up. Mm. Um, And then that person, there's really nothing they can do other than distance themselves as much as they can from those people because they're not safe. Mm. Be a diligent worker, do what you can do, but don't trust them with your heart because they've shown that they can't be trusted with your heart. Figure out how to forgive the um, the offense for your own sake, not for theirs, because they're not sorry. And decide whether or not that's a place that you can stay. You may have to stay there because you have to have that job. But you have to somehow reorder how you deal with people that are not safe. We can't make them safe. They can only make themselves safe to us. But we have to figure out how we're going to renegotiate those relationships to keep our own self safe. And there are great resources on how to deal with difficult people because mm-hmm. whew, that happens every single day. Um, yep. I, I I dare say I've I've been that difficult person a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> so have I. <laughs> so in the uh, five six minutes we have left here, um, I want to pack in uh, a final <laughs> thought from you, and then also pack in uh, the power of active listening and empathetic understanding and apologies. Um, in five minutes or less, in five minutes. um, I mean, cause I wanted to get to, you know, building emotional mm-hmm. intelligence, uh, fostering a culture of forgiveness, all these things, but we just don't have the time. 
We don't have the time, mm-hmm. which means we're going to have to have you back one more time. Um, uh, so with this, let's let's look quickly at the power of active listening and empathetic understanding, which we've kind of broached, and then I'll lead you into a final th- thought. What What is that? The power of active listening. First of all, what is active listening? And then what is empathetic understanding? And how will that help apologies? You go with the em- empathic understanding, first of all, is that I try, see, empathy is different than sympathy. Empathy costs us because if I'm truly empathic, I have to go inside myself and figure out a time in my life I might have felt that kind of pain or that kind of anger or that kind of fill in blank. So I have to have some um, self-awareness and self uh, reflection to do that. And then once I go, oh, I remember what it feels like to be that then I can have more empathy towards somebody because I remember what that felt like. And then I might have a little more grace toward them because I remember what it was like to make a big mistake and hurt somebody I really cared about. Mm. Empathy doesn't excuse the action. Empathy just says, I know, been there. I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. And, And then active listening. What is that and how does that play in? Active listening, one of the things that we do as human beings is we don't listen to listen We for information. We listen to respond. And so while you're talking, especially if you're arguing, I am figuring out what my next comeback is going to be. And when I forget that and listen to what you're truly saying and can feed back to you what I'm experiencing with you. Wow, Nate, I didn't realize you were as angry about this as it seems that you are. Talk to me about that. That's good active listening. I helped you identify how I think you're, and I'm very tentative about that sometimes. Let me see if this works. It seemed like you're really, really hurt by something that happened a few years ago that didn't get dealt with. Can we talk about that for a minute? And so you're helping them identify and you're you're empathically asking them to, we like to talk about ourselves. And so when somebody invites us to talk, We'll usually do it. Some people shut down, but if we can do it in a way that invites them, you matter to me. I want to invite you to be understood by me. Help me. That makes you safe. And so people are more willing to do that. Yeah. So active listening and empathy can go hand really closely hand in hand. It's It sounds like we need to realize that uh, appropriate and effective apologies are not a chess match. Um, don't be thinking and you may have that photographic memory where you're like, I know this move. I know that move. I'm already ahead of you. Checkmate. I win. We apologize. Yes. Uh, yes. Put down, put away the chessboard and you, you still use strategy and effective mm-hmm. tools, but use the right ones. Right. Right. Um, I, as usual, have uh, 48 questions I didn't get to. <laughs> <laughs> I need to tell the listener. He sent me five pages of show prep. <laughs> Five pages of questions. Was so it that long? It was that long. <laughs> well, there's there's a lot that I wanted to get into. And, and a lot of this comes from my own questions, my own uh, you know journey. Um, mm-hmm. So, yes, but we are out of time. But, you know, there there's people listening in and they've, they've enjoyed what they've heard. They've maybe bristled at what they've heard. Uh, if yeah. you, uh, they may think, you know, there's some heresy involved from some, you know, send me that email, Nate at great story ministries.com. I'd <laughs> love to address it. Uh, there's others that are like, man, that concept, I I've never heard it put that way. They want those resources. 
But uh, either way, every, everyone's involved. They're listening in, and they're open to hearing from, from Kathy. A final thought, uh, a word of encouragement, one more thing to do, an action item. I don't know. What, what would, uh, if, if you could say anything to the Grace Story community, those listening in today uh, on this topic well, from Kathy, what would that be? One thing I think as Christians we believe erroneously is that conflict is always bad. People in authentic relationships where there is vulnerability are going to have conflict. We rub up against each other. That's what it is. And it's not just in marriage. It's in all sorts of friendships and workplacings. We rub up against each other. Conflict doesn't always have to be bad. What we need to do is for our own selves, we can't control other people, is learn how to see it as not being bad and learn the skills, some of the skills we talked about today, to make conflict something that once there's a repair, all of us have had that in our lives where we had a big blow up with somebody and it ended up because we were vulnerable and because we accepted responsibility and because we were authentic, it strengthened the relationship. Now we don't go looking for fights. We don't need to. Conflict's going to find us. But when conflict finds us, work on having the tools to repair it. And then things actually can sometimes be better than they were before. Mm. And, and that you masterfully brought in building emotional intelligence uh, in, the, in the area of yep. apologies. That's what yep. it takes. Yep. Well, we are out of time. Uh, Kathy, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your expertise and your time. We, we truly appreciate it. This was fun. Thank you. And we'll, we'll do it again. We definitely will. Um, for you, the listener, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts on that app, give us a follow there, tap a five-star rating, and drop a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow there, hit the notification bell to never miss an episode. We're always eager to hear from you. Feel free to email us any suggestions, your thoughts, or feedback, nate at gracestoryministries.com. There is no us without you. So get engaged, continue on your journey of restoration, We'll see you in two weeks for another episode. And until then, we'll be praying for you.